Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you'll be encouraged with the message today. Thank you for making it to church despite the weather. It's rained all night, but we thank God for the rain and we thank God that we are all here together. Today, uh, our topic this morning is staying hopeful. Amen. Staying hopeful. Uh, when I was asked to share a message, the word hope is just the word that I kept feeling. I just felt um, like we needed an encouragement. Amen. So today I just wanted to share an encouraging message. <clears throat> Not a challenging message today. I would like us all to leave with a smile on our face as we are leaving church. You know, the, the scriptures are there to challenge us and to convict us. But they're also there to encourage us, amen, and to give us peace and hope. There is peace and joy and hope in Christ, amen. There is peace and joy and hope in Christ. And maybe someone just needed a reminder of that because sometimes it can just get so hard, amen. The day-to-day -day actions, the mundane things, the responsibilities, but sometimes we can forget that. Because we have been justified by Christ and because now we are in Christ, we have access to peace, joy, and hope that others don't have access to. Amen. And we are commanded in the word uh, in Hebrews that as fellow believers, we need to exhort one another. Amen. We need to stir each other up to good works. We are called to encourage each other. And this is a ministry we all have. If you think you don't have a ministry, that's a ministry you have to encourage your fellow believers. And I know, I, I feel like if we showed the world more hope and more love, then maybe we would have more believers. Because everybody needs some hope. And that hope is found in Christ. Amen. So... I was looking at my diary earlier this week, and it showed me that we are eight weeks into 2022. Eight weeks in, and it's already been a lot. <laughs> right? Eight weeks in, I've already had to fight some battles. I've had to deal with life-changing things. And I just felt like even eight weeks in, I needed some hope. Amen. <laughs> Three days into the year, uh, my daughter got sick. I've already had to deal with conflicts at work. I don't know if you guys fight with your workmates. I do sometimes. <laughs> We've had to bury people already, and there's already been sad news, you know? And I need hope that this year I will still take over, right? That all those things that were said to us are still going to happen. That everything I wrote down on my resolutions is still going to come to pass. Because eight weeks in and that hope is starting to dim just a little bit. Right? Like, I know that the word of God tells me that the weapons formed against me shall not prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me, the Lord will condemn. I know that they won't take me out. I know I'll survive. But my hope, amen, that cheerful expectation that good things are still to come, that might not survive, right? Sometimes 
The weapon isn't meant to kill you, but meant to steal your hope. So when I was asked on a message, hope is the word that kept ringing in my spirit. And I hear that even yesterday the prayers were about hope, so that was a confirmation for me. And uh, this message is just for another person like me. If anybody needs hope this morning, then this message is for you. Amen. So the word hope, it's a word that's thrown around a lot. I'm sure a week doesn't go by before you say the word hope. I hope this will work out. I hope this will happen. I hope I will be able to do this. You know, I hope I'll get that new job. I hope I'll be able to get more money. I hope my kids are going to turn out all right. <laughs> I hope, you know, I hope my friends are going to treat me well. I hope God will make this happen. We throw that word around a lot. I hope. And hope is both a noun and a verb. Right? It's that feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. And in, in archaic English, which is like old, old English, right? The word hope also meant a feeling of trust. It was also used as a feeling of trust. And I still think that that old meaning of hope is still relevant because to hope for something or in something takes a level of trust. Our hope is always built upon a foundation of implicit trust. Maybe you trust yourself to fulfill those hopes. Maybe you trust your spouse to fulfill your hopes. Maybe you trust your money or your abilities or your degrees or your connections. But every time you say the word I hope, it's because you are trusting something to fulfill that hope. Maybe you trust the universe. Maybe you just throw your hope out to the universe. <laughs> And maybe sometimes when you say it, you're actually trusting God to fulfill that thing. But if you look closely, your hope is always based on trust. And you have to ask yourself, trust in who or what? Who am I trusting to fulfill this hope? We'll come back to that a little bit later. But you can ask yourself that because I had to catch myself and realize that not every time when I say I hope, am I placing that trust in God. Amen. Sometimes when I say I hope, I'm actually believing that I'll be able to do it. I'm actually believing that, yeah, I have the skills to be able to do this, so I hope it will happen. I have the degrees to be able to do this, so I hope it will happen. Amen. But, uh, so today we're going to come back to that topic, but I hope that's a question you can reflect on now, that when I say the word hope, who am I trusting in? So... In the world, hope is wishing for something without the certainty of fulfillment. But in scripture, when the word hope is used, it's a strong and confident expectation. Amen. In the modern idea of hope, it's thrown around very casually without any certainty of whether it's going to happen. You're just throwing your hope out there. But for us in Christ, according to the scripture, our hope is or should be a strong and confident expectation that that thing will happen. So I remember on crossover night, I don't know who, how many of us were there, if you were uh, lucky enough to make it. Those of us that made it uh, can testify that there was this, 
you know, this electricity in the atmosphere, there was this fervent hope in the atmosphere. And as we prayed for all the different areas of our lives that God is going to help us to take over, there was just so much hope. You know, at the start of the year, there's always so much hope. You just start off so excited. You're writing your resolutions. You're like, yes, Lord, in my finances, I'm going to take over. Yes, Lord, in this area, I'm going to take over. And there was so much hope. And we have been equipped with some amazing sermons that were shared since then to continue to equip us to achieve all these things. And we need to be able to claim all of those promises. Amen. Because if there's one word I got is that God is faithful. And when he says the word, it's going to happen. So we need to hope and have faith. We need to keep expecting that good things are coming. That those promises are going to come true. That the Lord will bless me. That this year I will take over. Amen. So why is hope important? I had to ask myself that question. Honestly, it took me some time to answer it. Because <laughs> I said, why is hope so important? Why do I need to keep hope alive? Saying that you don't have hope is the same as saying that you're not believing God for anything. Saying you don't have hope is also in essence saying that you don't trust God for anything. A lack of hope is in essence a sign of lost trust. You've lost trust that good things are actually going to happen in your life. But I think another reason also why hope is so important is that hope gives us joy. Amen. Hope gives us joy. Have you ever met a hopeless person? Ever met a person who at that moment when you're talking to them, they are completely hopeless. And I think a hopeless person is one of the saddest people that you ever meet. And you know, that's what happens when someone takes their life. They became hopeless. They stopped hoping that anything good was to come. So why not just end things here? Paul often said that he rejoiced in hope. Hope makes our hearts happy. Amen. Hope is what lifts us up out of grief and pain and suffering. That expectation that maybe there are better days to come. Maybe all that God promised me is actually going to come to pass. And in Christ, that hope is more certain. Because instead of just saying maybe, I know that there are better days to come. Amen. In Christ, I know that all things are going to work out for my good. And if I don't have a good life here, I will have a good life in eternity. Because my existence doesn't end here. For me to die is gain. Because then I will be in glory. So when you're a believer, there is always hope for better days. If not in this world, then in the next. <laughs> and you know, this life is just a tip of the iceberg. Eternity is so much greater. Even if you lived to be over 100 years, that is only a small part of what eternity is going to be. So even if you feel like your life isn't good here, trust me, it'll be better in the next life. And that's where it really matters. So in Christ, I know that there is hope for better days. And that gives my heart joy helps me to wake up the next morning and try again. When I've been disappointed, I can wake up the next morning and do it all over again. When somebody has offended me, I can wake up the next morning and do it all over again. When I have faced pain or grief, that hope keeps me fighting. 
It keeps me joyful. It keeps me expectant. Amen. Dr. Dale Archer, a clinical psychiatrist, says, I'm going to just read a quote of what he said. If I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. Hope is often the only thing between man and the abyss. However, if they lose hope, unless you can help them get it back, all is lost. And this was a psychiatrist who counseled many victims of traumas. And this is what he was able to pick up over his years of practice. And he continued to say that as long as a patient, individual or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. Hope is the steadfast determination of the cancer patient who fights, believing that eventually a cure will come. It's the man who has lost his job, has a family to support, and knows that new employment is just around the corner as long as he keeps looking. Sometimes hope looks so bleak in a given situation as to appear non-existent, yet it's so vital for survival that virtually everyone who survives a life-threatening ordeal that on the surface seems impossible will point to the hope, will point to hope as, as the one thing that got them through. It is the very hope which champions the survivor, even in the bleakest of times. Amen. I don't know if this man was a believer, but that was a word. <laughs> Amen. And I just thought that was so perfectly put as to why hope is so important for us as people. But life is full of challenges. And there are things that challenge our hope. Things that always try to suck your hope. And that challenge, that cheerful expectation that we should have every day. And that shows me that we need to protect our hope. It's not something that's just always going to be there or something that's going to naturally happen, but we need to protect that hope in our hearts. We need to fight to keep it alive. So I want to highlight four challenges that our hope faces. And, maybe, and then also share some practical encouragement on how we can deal with each. Amen. I hope we're all following. I hope we're together this morning. So I'm going to highlight four things. The first is our thoughts. The second is our words. The third is going to be delays. And the final one is going to be disappointment. Our thoughts, our words. So first of all, we're going to deal with ourselves. We can sometimes challenge our own faith, our own hope. And then we're also going to deal with things that happen outside of us, delays and disappointments. Our thoughts. There is a man, uh, James Allen, who wrote a book in 1903 called As a Man Thinketh. I heard of, mm, I think you guys have read that book. <laughs> As a Man Thinketh. I just wanted, I picked like a few quotes from the book because there's a lot, uh, but I wanted to pick two quotes. The first quote I, I got was that the outer conditions of a person's life will always be found to be harmoniously related his inner state. Men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. Amen. I have to pause to think about that. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're attracting so much negativity, <laughs> 
Maybe it's not about the people. Maybe you are attracting what you are. Everything that is happening in your life is a result, not of what you hope, not of what you want. So you can be saying, I hope for this. But what are your thoughts saying? Because your thoughts are what you are. Mm. Second quote is that all that a man achieves and all that he fails to achieve is the direct result of his own thoughts. All that a man achieves and all that he fails to achieve is the direct result of his own thoughts. I'm always really baffled at the fact that as people sometimes we lack a lot of self-awareness. It's shocking <laughs> that you, we lack so much self-awareness sometimes to be able to know the detrimental things that we do to ourselves. And most especially, we lack a lot of self-awareness when it comes to our thoughts. Let's go to Proverbs 23, verse 7, which is, of course, the, the famous scripture uh, that tells us that what we think is what we are. <clears throat> Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Amen. So, as Pastor Sunga was saying, mind your mind. Sometimes we can say a lot of nice things in church or in a group, but our own thoughts are challenging our hope. And I would like to say, before I go on, that if there is someone who is really struggling with thoughts of hopelessness, please don't be afraid to also seek professional help from a qualified psychiatrist. We all need Jesus and therapy. So if you need a recommendation of a good psychiatrist, I can recommend one and you can find me after the service if you really feel like you're struggling with thoughts of hopelessness. But I wanted to start with thoughts because I really think that our thoughts can either feed our hope or kill it. Do your thoughts line up with what you are hoping for? What do you spend your day thinking about? Uh, I wanted to give an example of this. A few years ago, I used to be really terrible with personal money. I mean, really bad. I've always managed other people's money well, you know, because I feel a sense of responsibility. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to mishandle other people's money. So I've always been good about handling other people's money, but really terrible at my personal finances. I even went through a stage where I was not managing to pay my rent or, you know, put food on the table because I was just so bad. <laughs> just so bad. <laughs> And um, I'll confess right now that in my marriage, I'm definitely the spender. So I thank God that I married a saver. Otherwise, it would have been a mess. <laughs> thank God that God knows what we need. So, you know, my husband now kind of reins me back in. <laughs> um, but, you know, back then, I remember I was, I was really sad about it. I was really upset that the fact that I couldn't seem to manage my money well. And I kept hoping that I would get better. Every year, I would write it down. Year after year, this year my goal is to get better with money. <laughs> this year, Lord, I'm going to be a better steward of my money. <laughs> and year after year, I kept struggling with the same thing. I kept having the same issues. And what would normally happen is a series of very specific events. 
So I would make the resolution, I'm going to be better with money. And then I would make a mistake, you know, maybe one day I got carried away and shopped too much or whatever. And after I make that mistake, my mind would start to tell me, you see, this is who you are. Stop trying to get better. <laughs> you can't get better. <laughs> and then I would stop hoping that I would get better. And then I would stop trying. You stop hoping, you stop trying. Amen. Well, thank God he delivered me from such thoughts. <laughs> and it's only when I stopped thinking negatively about that situation that the situation changed. Because I was able to keep hope alive. I thank God that, you know, I'm not where I want to be with my personal finances, but I am far from where I was, amen, when it comes to my money management. And a big part of that is I had to change how I thought, how I thought about money. The conversations I had with myself in my head, the things I told myself about the situation, I had to keep my thoughts aligned with my hope. Do you know that you are able to silence negative thoughts? I think sometimes we don't understand that your mind is actually your mind. Your mind is your mind. Doesn't belong to anybody else. Doesn't belong to the enemy. Doesn't belong to those people who are saying negative words about you. Your mind is your mind. And you can choose the thoughts you have and the things that you dwell on. I grew up in a home with a praying mother. Like, you know, a praying mother, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not just one who prayed at the dinner table, but a praying mother. <laughs> and I remember, you know, when I was young, whenever I would get sick and I would go to her to complain, she'd always say, tell that sickness to go away. And I was like, <laughs> as a child, it was really confusing. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> But she would always say, tell that sickness to go away. If I have a headache, tell that headache to go away. I'm like, I just want some Panadol, mom. I just, <laughs> can you just hug me and tell me it's going to be okay? No, but she was one of those women who just said, tell it to go away. Um, yeah, so, you know, when I was young, I was like, how can I speak to a sickness? Like, how can I speak to a headache? But now as an adult, now I'm older, I was reflecting back on it. And I see the authority in that statement. Anything that is not of God, you can speak to and tell it to leave. Anything that is not of God in your life, you can speak to and tell it to leave. It is your mind, so you can choose what you plant in it. And anything that is not hopeful, you can speak. And I mean speak. Not just think it, but speak. Because Revelation tells us that they overcame by the word of their testimony. There is power in confession. And even if you might look crazy, maybe you're in public, but every time you have a negative thought, I challenge you, speak to it. And say, I bring you under the dominion of Christ. That is not what the word of God says about me. Those are not the promises that God says about me. Amen. You can speak to your negative thoughts and tell them, leave. And I've seen the power of this. I've tried it a few times. When the enemy is trying to play games with me and I'll literally speak and say, devil, you have no power here. My mind is my mind and only Christ has dominion over my mind. Amen. Speak to it and say it and say to it, get out. So some practical encouragement, take authority of your thoughts. 
We are not powerless as believers. And I don't think we even understand how much power we have. We are not powerless as believers. We have the authority to take control of our thoughts. And you can be like a gardener tending his garden. Pick and choose what you dwell on. Pick and choose what you plant in your mind and choose to dwell on hope. Dwell on hope. Think about it. Meditate on it. Spend your whole day thinking about the things you hope for. And when you mess up, which will probably happen, be kind to yourself. Don't let the enemy overrun your thoughts with condemnation and accusation. Forgive yourself and hope again. The Bible tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If any thought comes in your mind to condemn you of a mistake, it is not of God. God is a God of hope. The Bible literally tells us that the God of hope. So hope again because God doesn't condemn you. Amen. The second thing that challenges our hope is our words. The words that we speak. It's a little funny that we can be hoping for something, praying for something, but the very words we speak are not lining up with that hope. The Bible tells us that the tongue has power. When God created you, he gave your tongue power. And that power can either be used for death or for life. Let's read Proverbs 18, verse 21. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life... Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Have you ever heard the word, you will eat your words? This is where it comes from. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as I said, that the, the, this verse tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. But it also carries on to say that those of us that love talking will eat its fruit. We will eat our words. When you speak, you are feeding yourself. So are you speaking life or death to yourself? Another scripture that shows us the importance uh, that words have to our hope is Hebrews 10 verse 23. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And I think we also have a good news translation. Let us hold on firmly to the hope we profess because we can trust God to keep his promise. Amen. I love the good news. I think it just says it uh, the best for me. So this scripture is telling us that hold fast the confession of our hope. Keep speaking your hope. Hold on firmly to it. Amen. Don't waver in your speech. 
One day don't speak hope and another day you know you speak something else. Hold on firmly to your speech. And that scripture says to me that my speech needs to be consistent with my faith. Whatever I'm hoping for, my words need to align with that. The things I speak to myself, the things I speak to other people need to be able to align when I speak to others, but also when I speak to myself. My speech needs to be consistent with the things I hope for. Here's a, a simple example that the Lord convicted me about recently. You know, if you're hoping for a good week, like maybe Sunday night, you're planning. I'm one of those people where Sunday night I plan my week. And I'm always hoping for a good week. I'm hoping I'll have a good week at work. I'm hoping, you know, I'll have a good week with my family and so on. So if you're hoping for a good week, you cannot then wake up on Monday and join everyone else in posting those sad Monday memes. You know those memes like, oh, it's Monday again. Why is the weekend over? So you're hoping for a good week, but then you're out here speaking sad memes over your week. And everyone that you meet all day on Monday, all you do is complain. Oh, it's Monday again. Why is the weekend over? Oh. <laughs> and so how, how can you be speaking those things but still hoping for a good week? And you know, even jokes are words. Even jokes that you're making are words that you're confessing over yourself. Sometimes we exclude them. That's what I used to do. I think it's just a joke, God. <laughs> it's just a funny meme, God. But I realized that no, even the jokes, you know, banter that I'm having with my friends, even those things are words that are coming out of my mouth and things that I'm confessing over myself. And uh, don't stop joking about your life. <laughs> Amen. If you are hoping for good things in your life, stop joking about your life. If I'm hoping for a good week, I will confess that hope on Monday morning. I will pray in line with that and I will speak it to myself and I will also confess it to others. Amen. I am hoping for a good week. I am hopeful that this week work is going to go well. I had an issue last week, but I know that this week I'm going to sort it out. Amen. Be unwavering, unwavering in your speech. And this applies to every area of your life. I've given a very simple example, but any area of your life that you're hoping anything for, whether it's your health, your finances, your job, your school, your business, speak life. Don't joke about it. Don't make sad jokes just for the sake of making somebody else laugh. No, speak hope. Confess your hope because those words are feeding you. That is what you are eating, the things that you speak. So some practical encouragement. In 2022, please stop posting up sad memes. Let's stop. Let's put ourselves on a ban. No sad memes this year. Confess hope instead. If you have nothing to post on your status, don't post at all. <laughs> Amen. If you don't have anything hopeful to post, don't post anything at all. Just tell yourself, let me just put the phone down. If you're going to post something, Facebook, Instagram, your status, post hope. Post in line with what you are hoping for. Amen. Watch the conversations you have with yourself. Sometimes we can be so unkind to ourselves. Speak hope to yourself. Speak encouragement to yourself. Encourage yourself. 
There are some days nobody else will encourage you, so at least you can encourage yourself. <laughs> encourage yourself. You know, tell yourself, listen, self. You're doing all right. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. Amen. Sometimes stand in the mirror and just talk to yourself. You know, I'm proud of you. You're doing your best. <laughs> You're really trying hard. Amen. Encourage yourself. And then watch your conversations with others. Don't join in in negative talk. Avoid negative people. That force you to join their misery. Oh, life is just so sad. You know, misery just rubs off on you. It's contagious. When you're around somebody who's just miserable, by the time you're leaving, you're miserable. So find people that encourage you and help to speak positively about your life. Amen. Moving on to number three. So we have dealt with ourselves. But sometimes negative thoughts and words are also triggered by the following two situations. The first is delays, and the second is disappointments. It can be hard to stay hopeful for a long time. Mm, there's a, yup. <laughs> yeah, it can be hard to stay hopeful for a long time. When you've had a prayer point written down in your notebook for so long, and you haven't yet ticked it off, you begin to wonder, how am I supposed to keep hoping, God? For me personally, I've been praying for a family member to know Christ for some time now. I felt like God was delaying because I've been praying. <laughs> I've been fasting, I've been praying. <laughs> and I felt like he was really taking his time with it. And my thoughts at some point began to waver. I started to doubt a little bit, to question a little bit. Is this really going to happen, God? Soon after I started having those thoughts, my words started to follow that same negativity. I started speaking frustration instead of hope. And guess what happened after that? Since I was feeding myself frustration, I started to be frustrated. Delays have a tendency to frustrate us. Amen. It's hard to keep hoping. I'm not trying to make light of it because delays can really make you feel like, is God still going to make this happen? And it's not fun. I was going through my prayer points for 2021. I shouldn't have, but I did. You know, I was like... Because, you know, every year I always have big things that I'm praying for. I think I wrote down about 10. Maybe it was ambitious. I don't know. But those are the things <laughs> that were on my heart. And I was going through them the other day. And honestly, not all of them God answered. About maybe half are the things that I actually saw come to pass. And, you know, some of them God told me, you're going to have to wait a little while longer for this one. It would be nice for everything to happen right at the exact time we want it to happen. When I say I want a job in March, do it in March, Lord. <laughs> when I say I want more money on this date, do it on that date, Lord. It would be nice if everything happened at the exact time that we want it to happen. I want to get what I want when I want it, God. But rarely does God work that way. Very, very rarely. Delays are inevitable. Amen. 
Not every prayer point will God answer the exact moment that you need it to answer. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Peter 3, verse 8 to 9. 2 Peter 3, verse 8 to 9 says, But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. I love this scripture because I was remembering what we were being taught about the promise for the Israelites and how it took 600 years. And I was like, so for God, that was just a few hours. <laughs> for him, he had just waited a few hours and then done it. But for us, it was 600 years. Wow. <laughs> but I, I also love this scripture and I love to read it uh, when I'm facing a delay in my life. Because it reminds me that God is not slack in his promises. He didn't just take your prayer point and throw it to the side and say, mm, I'm going to attend to that later. <laughs> God is not slack. So keep confessing your hope. I think there's not much other encouragement I can say on this one. Keep confessing your hope. Keep believing. Keep aligning your thoughts to hope. Keep aligning your words to hope. Don't stop now. If you've been believing for something, despite the delay, the word of God tells you that God is not slack. He hasn't forgotten about it and he's still going to fulfill it. Amen. And even though to you it seems like a long time, to God, it hasn't been that long. And I think it hasn't been that long because God is a God of eternity. I think sometimes he looks down at us and says, you've just been waiting two years and just stressed. <laughs> that's nothing for eternity. And I think that's why as believers, we need to keep our minds on eternity. To know that this world is just a small piece of what is yet to come. And there is still so much time for the Lord to fulfill what he said over you. Amen. The final thing that challenges our hope is disappointment. Finally, we come to disappointment. At times, it's not so much that you're still waiting for something, but that maybe something happened that disappointed you. You know? Maybe God didn't answer it the way you expected him to answer it. You know, some kind of disappointment has taken place. I used to find hope scary. Because when you hope, there is always the threat of disappointment. Right? When you hope for something, disappointment is always around the corner. <laughs> and sometimes to avoid disappointment, we avoid hoping. We're expecting anything good. And I think sometimes we speak negatively about our situations because we are trying to avoid being hurt. In case our hopes are not met, I might as well just temper my expectations. Let me not sound too hopeful because maybe God won't do it. I watched a series one day. I can't remember what this was, but I watched it some years ago. I watched a series um, and I remembered it as I was preparing for this message. There was a particular scene that I want to recount for you guys. So in this show, there was a main character that was a lawyer, and he was speaking to a prisoner that he had discovered was wrongfully convicted. 
So the lawyer had discovered this guy had been wrongfully convicted. Now, the catch was that this prisoner was on death row. The thing he had been convicted for called for a death sentence. And he had just a few days left until he was going to be put to death. And he had tried for years to get people to listen to him, that he didn't commit the crime. And he was disappointed time and time again. He had come to a point where he had painfully accepted his fate. But I guess, you know, this is what's going to happen. Now this lawyer in this scene was going on about how he had a plan to get him out of jail. And after the lawyer was done presenting his plan, the prisoner said, I'm not interested. And the lawyer was shocked. He asked, why? I could get you off death row. This could save your life. And the prisoner said, the worst thing you can do for a man in my situation is to give me hope. I have accepted that I'm going to die. I've made peace with it. Hope will just hurt me at this point. That conversation really struck me. <laughs> Years later, I still remember it. And I was recalling this scene. And doesn't it feel that way sometimes? When you face disappointment, when people have disappointed you, when you've been praying for something for so long, when you've been praying for someone to get saved, but they keep messing up. <laughs> the fear of disappointment keeps us from hoping. It keeps us from believing. What if it doesn't work out, God? And disappointment is a deep feeling, you know? It's, it's not just like a sadness. It's, it's like your heart feels grieved at some point. So some practical encouragement for anyone that has faced disappointment or is afraid of facing disappointment. You can trust God with your hope. He is faithful. That is his very nature. Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. And he is so holy that he can't sin against you. God can't do anything bad towards you because he is holy. Have you ever thought about that? A holy God can't sin against you. And that also gives me peace in disappointment. Because if God has decided that this is not for me, or that this shouldn't happen, there must be something better ahead for me. Because my God is faithful. He came to give me life in abundance and he makes all things work out for my good. So when you are in Christ, you don't need to feel disappointed. You don't ever need to feel as though your life is going to turn out bad. Because the Bible doesn't tell you that. Amen. So disappointment isn't your portion. If God didn't ordain for that thing to be for you, then there are better things for you. Because God can never sin against you. God can never do you harm. God can never be plotting your downfall. He came to give you life and life in abundance. And if there is anything that you are disappointed for, maybe it is out of the will of God. Maybe it's not in line with God's word. Maybe you're hoping for something that God didn't even promise you. <laughs> 
Because that's what happens sometimes. We get so caught up in our own ambitions, our own wants, our own desires, that we forget that ultimately my life is to be aligned with the will of God. And if I am in line with the will of God, I will never be disappointed because all things will continue to work out for my good. And the Lord is going to order my steps. Amen. So disappointment is not our portion as believers. There is always hope. I would like to tie all that I've said together into a good understanding of biblical hope. Because there's worldly hope and there's biblical hope, right? In the Bible, hope is never static or a passive thing. It's dynamic, it's active, and it's life-sustaining. Biblical hope is based upon the promises of God. Let's look at Hebrews 11 verse 1. A really famous verse. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says to us that our faith gives substance and a foundation to the things that we hope for. Biblical hope is not some aimless wish that I'm just throwing out into the air. But it has a sure foundation, which is our faith. And Romans 10 verse 17, I'm not going to turn to it, but Romans 10 verse 17 tells me that my faith comes from hearing the word of God. So biblical hope has a sure foundation. The word of God. Amen. If the word of God feeds, gives you faith and your faith gives substance to your hope, it means that your hope is founded on the word of God. Because the word of God has made me promises. I can have confidence in the things I hope for. Amen. It's not just some sort of uncertain thing I say. Because many times when we say I hope, it's just this sort of uncertain thing. Like, oh, I just hope this happens. But in Christ, our hope is a sure confidence because it is based on the word of God. Now, very simply, it means I need to be able to make a direct link between my hope and the word of God. So that even in my confession, as I am confessing my hope, I am speaking the word of God. Speaking the word of God. Amen. And that's also a good way to test if your hope is in line to the will of God. If you can't find a verse that supports your hope, maybe you're hoping for the wrong thing. Amen. But with everything that we hope for, we should be able to find the word of God that links to that hope. So that when I say, I hope this will happen, I know that there is a promise in the word of God aligning with my hope. And I have sure confidence that it's going to happen. Not because some random force in the universe is going to do it, but because my God, who is faithful, who is eternal, has promised me that this thing will happen. Amen. Now, maybe uh, this is a word for somebody. I just wanted to take you through a few promises. There are so many in the Bible, but I just wanted to mention a few. And if this is for you, you can just say amen. If you are hoping for healing 
in any area of your life. You can confess Isaiah 53 verse 5 because it tells you by his stripes you are healed. It makes that declaration. It doesn't say you might be healed or you will be healed. But it is a declaration that right in this moment you are healed. Amen. If you are hoping for wisdom, you can confess James 1 verse 5. That says that God will give me wisdom generously if I ask for it. Amen. If you are hoping for strength, you can confess Isaiah 41 verse 10. The Lord will strengthen me and help me. Amen. If you are hoping for peace, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says that the Lord will keep me in perfect peace. Amen. If you are hoping for more direction in your life, more guidance, Psalm 32 verse 8 says that the Lord will instruct me and teach me in the way I should go. Your hope can align to the word of God. And when you have the word of God, you have sure confidence that this thing is going to happen. Our hope has a sure foundation. Like the ground beneath your feet, it is based on the word of God. And I believe that the word of God, and I believe the word of God, and I trust the word of God. Therefore, I have a confident expectation. And as you can see, biblical hope is active. It's not a passive thing. It requires you to actively confess it and hope in it. Now, I love Isaiah 40, verse 31. Also another famous verse. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting upon the Lord is hoping in the Lord, right? It's expecting that the Lord will do something. So waiting in the Bible is not just sitting around and waiting. <laughs> But it is this hopeful expectation on the Lord. And it tells me that when I hope in God, not hope in myself or in my abilities or my money, but when I hope in the Lord, my strength will be renewed. And remember when we talked about how it can be hard to hope for a long time, this, is, this scripture is your answer to that. Because if you ever got tired of hoping for something, Isaiah is telling us that when our hope is in the Lord, when he is the one we are expecting from, we won't get tired. We won't get frustrated. And I think it has something a little to do with what is spoken in 1 Peter 1 verse 25. If we can just quickly turn to that. 1 Peter 1 verse 25. First Peter 1 verse 25 says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord endures forever. The word of God is eternal. It existed before me. It will exist after me. And I think that when I place my hope on the word of God, I'm tapping into something eternal. 
I'm tapping into something that is living and active. And I will be renewed by it. Amen. When you place your hope in God, you won't get tired. And the final thing I wanted to say about biblical hope is found in Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. The Bible tells me, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hoping in God will give you joy and peace. God will give you that joy and peace. Not that you have to search for it, but that when you hope in God, because he's a God of hope, he will give you joy and peace. And the Holy Spirit gives us power to hope. Wow, that's so good. The Holy Spirit gives us power to hope. When I have reached the limit of my power and I'm about to get frustrated and tired, the Holy Spirit will give me power to keep abounding in hope. You don't have to do it in your own strength, but you have access to the power of the Holy Spirit to keep you hoping, to keep you believing, and to keep you standing on the word of God. Amen. I would also then like to move on to one final discussion about hope. We've spoken about our personal hopes today, but I would also like to share the one hope that truly matters, that every believer should have. And it's found in Romans 5. Verses 1 to 2. Romans 5, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope of the glory of God. This is a hope that we all need to have as believers. Aside from all the other many things you are hoping for in your life, all the many things you are hoping God is going to fulfill in this lifetime, we all need to have, have the hope of the glory of God. And in this, it says two things. It means that every believer, as every believer, we should be hopeful for eternity. Hopeful that when this life passes away, I will experience the glory of God. And secondly, we should also hope to bring him glory in this life. That his glory may be revealed through our lives. And this is a hope that we all need to have and a hope we should all rejoice in. I really felt strongly to mention this because sometimes we can get so carried away with our own lives and forget that the very reason of our existence is to bring glory to God. Sometimes we can get so carried away with this life of Christianity. God is going to do this for me. God is going to do this for me. But forgetting that the greatest hope we need to have is that the day I gave my life to Christ, I was saying I have hope that in eternity I will get to experience the glory of God. 
that after this life passes, I will be in his glory for eternity. All the things we could hope for in this life pale in comparison to the hope of the glory of God. Let's look at another scripture in Romans. Romans 8 verse 18 to 21. Romans 8 verse 18 to 21. Paul wrote, For I consider... I'll read actually the Good News translation rather than the New King James. I consider that what we suffer at this present time cannot be compared at all with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. All of creation waits with eager longing for God to reveal his children. For creation was condemned to lose its purpose. Not of its own will, but because God willed it to be so. Yet there was hope. Amen. That creation itself would one day be set free from its slavery to decay and would share the glorious freedom of the children of God. The hope of the glory of God. Paul had this hope. And all things in this world paled in comparison with the hope that he had of the glory of God. I am hopeful for the glory of God. I am hopeful for eternity that I will experience beyond this life. I look forward to it. I am expectant of it. Because I have been justified by Christ, I can have the sure confidence that I will see his glory one day. That hope was enough to help Paul to persevere through unimaginable hardships. Paul's life sucked on some level. <laughs> but he was able to endure all those things because of the hope of the glory. All things he went through meant nothing because he was looking forward to that glory. And I hope that as believers, we can also get this hope today. <laughs> We have to be hopeful for that glory, that after this life, I'm going to be in glory. And I love a certain scripture in Acts 20. And we don't have to turn to it, but it's in Acts 20, verse 22 to 24. Paul was saying, see, here I go down to Jerusalem. You know, like, look at me, here I go to Jerusalem. Bound in the spirit, not sure the things that await me there. Except the Holy Spirit testifies that trials and tribulations await me. In every city. So see, I know the Holy Spirit has already told me that in Jerusalem, I'm going to face chains and tribulations. But see, here I go, bound in the Spirit. And yet I am unmoved by these things. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. Because all I want is to finish my race with joy. All I want is to complete the ministry that the Lord Jesus Christ gave me. To testify of the grace of his gospel. Paul had hope for glory. And all our other disappointments, all our delays, all our frustrations. God didn't give me the money. God didn't give me the job. God didn't give me the car. All those things pale in comparison to the glory that is to come. Beyond everything else, if there is nothing left for you to hope for, be hopeful in the glory of God. Verse 20 and 21 that we read in Romans 8, 
is not talking about the total salvation of the whole earth. But it's talking, it's referring to the day of the Lord, right? The end times. Where it says, I'm just going to read my New King James. It says, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So when I first read it, I thought, oh, is the whole world going to be saved? <laughs> but it's not talking about the total salvation of the whole earth. It's referring to the day of the Lord, the end times. And Second Peter 3 Verse 10 to 13. Let's just turn to that scripture real quick to give us a little bit more perspective. It's always good to remind yourself of the gospel, you know. We can get so carried away with talking about a lot of things, but at the basis of it all, we have to remember the message of the gospel. Second Peter 3, verse 10 to 13 says, Sorry, I was in First Peter. Second Peter 3, verse 10 to 13 but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, all these things, all these material things we are hoping for will be gone. They won't matter. They will literally be gone and dissolved and burnt up. What manner of persons then ought you be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I don't want to get so much into deciphering the prophecy of the end times. That's a whole different message. But I want to get a simple point across. As believers, we should be looking forward to the day of the Lord. To the coming of Christ. Because we are looking forward to the revelation of his glory. And remember, biblical hope is active. As we look forward to this day, we live our lives in holiness and godliness because we are expectant of the coming of the Lord. I hope that's enough to get someone excited. That beyond this life, there is hope of glory. Beyond all the annoying things that happen in this life, <laughs> all the disappointments, all the sadness, all the grief, all the sickness, beyond all this, there is hope of glory. Where we will no longer be grieving, no longer be sad. We'll just spend all our days singing holy, holy. I will no longer have to worry about all these earthly problems. There is a day coming of glory. And this life is just a small part to what I'm going to get experience in eternity. Beyond this life, there is hope of an eternity with my Savior. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.